Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for being here today. Tiffany Decker is joining us from Birthing Stone Doula to give us the really deep details about what it means to hire a doula and to have a a doula helping you in your home in the newborn period, which if I could go back in time and spend all my money on having a doula, that's what I would do. And so I thought it would be really useful to have someone come who's an expert in this field. Not just an expert, but like a businesswoman, awesome person. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Let's start in, just get right into it about what a doula is and what it means to have a doula come into your house when you have a a newborn. Yeah. So postpartum doula work really is... There's the generic version of the answer, which is, you know, non-judgmental support person. And that just doesn't tell you anything about what we do, right? It's having someone in your home and having a postpartum doula. I jokingly describe it as having the perfect mother-in-law in your house after baby comes. So you have somebody who's up to date with all of the new information and the safe ways to take care of your baby and not telling you what happened 20 years ago. And they're there and they can cook the meals for you. They can give you a break. They can help with all of the little background things that need to be done so that life is just easier with a newborn because it's hard to have a newborn. But we don't come with the baggage that often comes with family members. And we don't come with an idea of how you should parent or what you should do. We come with ideas and we come with strategies for the way you want to parent. And we help you adjust if things aren't going the way you want or you're just not sure how to make that happen. We'll help you with that. I hope people were listening to the part about not having the baggage that comes with family members. Because I feel, I don't feel, I know that this is your first expedition into making some decisions around what works for your family when you have a newborn. And when people come into my clinic, they ask all the time about who should come to the house, who should be there with their family in the beginning. And I say, it should be what you want. Mm -hmm. This is about nobody else but you. And that this is a moment of self-reflection to figure out, are you a party person? Do you want everyone and their mom there to help you? Or will that stress you out? And do you need it to be just maybe you or you and your partner and someone who is not biased, doesn't have a history with you, won't remember all these things in the future? So definitely. Yeah. A lot of the things that we talk with families about, and I remember learning it from one of my my mentors early, early on is sit down 
and take inventory of the support people or possible support people you have in life and divide them into a couple of different categories, helpers and visitors. And the visitors are the ones who just want to oogle and go ooh and ah over the baby. They're not helpful. They can be stacked later in life or they should have short visits and not too many in the first week or two. The helpers are the people who are going to make the meal for you without being asked. They're going to take the trash out. They'll stop at the store and bring you something. And they're also the people you feel comfortable asking for help from and accepting help from. You want to stack those people and you want to use them as much as you can. And if you take inventory of who's available, when and where and how much, then you know if you need to fill in the gaps anywhere. And a lot of people may have helpers or people that want to help. But if that key part of you not wanting them to help, if, if that's not there of you wanting them to help, then, it's, then you need to find a way to fill the gap in another way. And that's where having that anonymous person or someone who is just close to you can come in. And the other part of that, though, is some people say, I don't want a stranger coming in to their house. And so who's this doula coming in? And with that, we see that from partners a lot. Just like, hey, who's this person? And they're going to take our baby in the middle of the night while we sleep. And sleep sounds wonderful, but it's weird, you know? I think that that just really goes into the hiring process, which we might talk about later, and just finding somebody who's a really good fit. And that is really looking at your doula support Maybe not for the cooking and the the nurturing aspect, but for the expert guidance, really just bringing somebody in who knows their stuff about babies and that their goal is to help get you as parents up on on your feet. And that a lot of times kind of eases some of the the anxiety of, hey, I don't know this person. Mm -hmm. You're looking at them as just bringing in an expert. Definitely. I mean, I think about if you were going to remodel your kitchen, you would not bring your next door neighbor in unless they were a contractor, but you would not bring them in and you wouldn't feel weird about having a contractor in your home helping with this task. And I think if we look at the newborn period more as this is something that people have real expertise in, they've been doing for years and years and years. You've never done this. You can learn from them. Why would you know how to do this? You have not lived in a hut with... 80 sisters and watch them before you've had this baby, it makes sense that you would need someone who is learned in this way. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you find someone who's awesome and how do you make sure they are a good fit? Yeah. Again, go back to your inventory and see where you want the fit. So when you're searching for a doula or newborn care specialist, those are kind of dovetailing fields and professionals. Some people are hybrid and some people are just newborn care specialists or just postpartum doulas. The quick difference of that is postpartum doulas are really trained in the nurturing of the family unit and the postpartum period in itself. Newborn care specialists, while also having that knowledge really do have an extra level of experience and training in focusing on the newborn and the care of the newborn. And a lot of times when hired, it's not so much about cooking and cleaning and caring for the household and the family. It's really focused on the newborn itself and and almost like a high level, higher level than a nanny. 
right? So really almost like a consultant for the baby. Mm-hmm. So really looking at what are your needs? What are your wants? So which part of which sort of expert do we want? And then looking for the basics, CPR certified, trained, right? So not just mm-hmm. saying I am a doula, but actually have a do- having doula training, background check. And those are the basic things. And then you want to get in and you want to meet the person or you want to talk through what are their philosophies? What are their styles? Do they come with an agenda? Do they come preferring a certain parenting style? And maybe, you know, maybe your style and their style matches, but asking the question of what happens if something changes. So if you get somebody that has a lot of breastfeeding knowledge and you want to breastfeed and something happens where it's a challenge, you change your mind, you, you know, or you can't, is that person going to roll with that and make you feel guided and supported without judgment? Or are they going to have a chip on their shoulder? So you really want to yes. make sure that you've got somebody who's going to be professional in that manner and, and match your personality style and your goals. Yeah, so good. Because we don't need more guilt nope. and more pressure, especially for someone we're paying. Exactly. exactly. Which leads me to yeah. how much people can expect to pay or... Is there a way, even if people feel like they couldn't afford to have a doula every day, every night, Mm -hmm. is it worth it to have someone come in intermittently? Because I talk with families all the time at prenatal visits about hiring a doula and instead of on their baby registry, getting an extra bouncer chair, Mm -hmm. spending that a hundred dollars on doula. People look at me with the widest eyes Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like I don't know exactly where to, how to help them manage their expectations on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we have this thing in our culture where we think babies have to have a lot of stuff. And and culturally, we throw baby showers and throw stuff at parents rather than throwing actual support, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's just a culture shift that needs to happen there. Mm -hmm. You can expect to pay... Most metro, major metro areas, anywhere from like thirty to fifty dollars an hour. But you can find doulas for under thirty dollars, twenty, twenty-five dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Really depends on the experience that you want, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of different ways that you you can use doula support. Like you said, you can have them come intermittently. You don't need seven nights a week or live in support, Mm -hmm. though that's possible. So, you know, some people will just have once a week for four hours to give the parents a known time of respite, right? They can shower. They know that they can get a nap. They know that they can get a hot meal. The laundry will be folded. A lot can happen in four hours. And just having that peace of mind of just knowing that they're going to have support can relieve the stress earlier in the week. And then they get it and then refresh to keep going until the next visit. Some parents will put it on their registry. Some FSA accounts are allowing postpartum doula work to be covered. Uh, We have seen insurance cover it with specific diagnoses like postpartum depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. and even depression and anxiety prenatally. They can get it pre-approved occasionally. It's not as common as we would like. Right, we're not promising coverage here, but yeah. (laughs) And, you know, when you're really looking at, you know, while you're pregnant and thinking about what what are all the things that I'm going to need, when baby comes, you can start planning out and just setting a little bit of money aside every week or every month and it adds up really quickly. And you can use that to get some levels of support in there. I really talk to people about 
investing in their future and investing in the postpartum period because how, well, even how you birth can affect how you parent in your postpartum, but those early days can shape so much of your parenting down the road and so much of your perception of that time with your baby and anything that you can do to relieve some of the stress and to make it easier. Why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is an area, I mean, I could get on a soapbox for days about this. This is an area where it would be awesome if we had paid maternity leave and paternity leave for months and months and months. This would be awesome if all states like New York is making some strides in this area, right? If all states provided in-home visits mm-hmm. with experts mm-hmm. on baby care mm-hmm. and respite for parents, but they just aren't. So like kind of all things in society, we have to decide, are you going to just decide, okay, well, it's not there. It's not paid for me. So, oh, well, I'm not going to invest in this. Or am I going to decide that it matters more to me to have the support than it does to have the extra baby joy? And I want to speak, I mean, we're speaking from a, a place of total privilege. There's some people who cannot afford the baby stroller or the crib. So of course those basics, we're not talking about not spending money on those things, but for the vast majority of Americans, they're feeding into the billion dollar baby industrial complex Mm -hmm. way more than into support for themselves and for their kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Yeah, it is a soapbox, isn't it? Culturally, so many different things that could change. But what we are also seeing is for the people that don't have the same privileges that you and I have, is we are starting to see state programs that are working to have that added support for families that don't have the socioeconomic reach to have these services. There's even a practice locally that builds in postpartum support and hired postpartum doulas for in-home visits for their clients that birthed with them. And it's incredible, right? It's just reaching the people who might not have it and have a different level of need for it. I think that's incredible that at least it's starting. We just need to now make it hit all levels of our society somehow and make it accessible. Yeah. And I think the two areas that it feels like having a doula really impacts a mom, of course, there's a million ways, Mm -hmm. but the two feel the most like addressing postpartum depression and anxiety, preventing mm-hmm. and helping with that. Mm-hmm. And then also sleep deprivation, which are of course intertwined. Mm-hmm. So I would love it if you gave mamas some insight into some of the things that you do to help with the sleep deprivation part for moms and, and maybe even some tips on things that you know are really, really good for babies to set them up for good sleep success early on. Um, Sleep's one of my favorite topics. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Sleep is a big reason that I do postpartum work and good sleep solves so many things in our world. And postpartum depression and anxiety, one of the first things we throw at that is getting good sleep and good nutrition. So we see postpartum, I see in my practice postpartum anxiety more than depression. And I know that it's all lumped together, but I also know that a lot of, a lot of parents are surprised that it comes out as anxiety, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like the conversation has shifted the last few years and there's more awareness that postpartum anxiety is so prevalent, but it's still really, people hear postpartum depression and they 
they expect stereotypical depression, right? Doom and gloom and just like tired and withdrawn and disconnected when a lot of times I see it as OCD and just high level energy and anxiety and worrying about lots of different things. Data and, gathering and <laughs> all the charts. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So many spreadsheets. <laughs> Where we come in as doulas on that is we'll, we'll walk in, we'll work with the systems that are set up, but we also can very gently show where it's okay to, to, to ease a little bit, right? And when we're caring for the baby, we are giving other options, ways to care for the baby. We're reinforcing that you're doing a good job. And a lot of the reason that we have the anxiety is because we think we're not doing a good job. Yes. And we're just there to say, it's okay, you do it how you do it. Get off of the social media. <laughs> Stop <laughs> asking in, in groups. And just let us tell you that you are doing a good job and point that out to you. I think that has such a huge impact on families and they don't expect that when they hire us, right? You know, a couple of episodes back, you had a guest speaker, Carla, talking about all the stressors and triggers that happen when you are a parent. And she was specifically talking about how not to yell at your kids, right? Mm -hmm. But all of those same triggers, that biological response and that physical response to the stress that you have, those are all there as a new parent. And a lot of them are caused by, you know, learning so many new skills, really being worried about your baby, your baby crying, right? Your life in chaos, maybe your house is in chaos, which adds to the stressors. You're sleep deprived. All of that can add to you just not thriving as a parent. And the doula can come help make order out of that chaos. So whether it's simply straightening the house, right? Or giving you systems to work with, calming the baby for you and giving you tips and tricks and or pointing out how the baby responds best to you and maybe not to us, right? Just really trying to simplify life and narrow it down and calm the chaos. That relieves the parents of so much of that stress and they're really then able to thrive more as parents. And of course, sleep. Usually sleep is the number one thing people are worried about going into postpartum and the number one reason we get calls from parents. Mm -hmm. How do we get more sleep? How do we get our baby to sleep? Doulas can help. The very quick answer of that is overnight support, right? Like we will come in at nine o'clock at night. We will say hello to you, check in on how the day is, and we'll watch the baby overnight for you so you can sleep. If you're nursing, we will bring baby to the mom to nurse. And then we'll do all of the shushing and diaper changes and diaper blowouts and all of that so that those chunks of sleep are longer and more restorative so that then functioning during the day, healing and just mental cleansing all can happen at night. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot that can happen with setting up good sleep habits. And I want to clarify that sleep is sleep and it's not bad if it's working for you, right? So there's a lot of talk about how infant sleep should look or shouldn't look or what you should or shouldn't do. And if what's working for you is safe and working for you, don't change it. It's not a problem. You don't have to do anything with it. But for a lot of people, this newborn sleep thing is confusing and it doesn't work with our nine to five job. And it's not necessarily intuitive to a lot of people. So there are a couple of things that I think 
I wish every parent knew. And the number one thing I wish every parent with a newborn understood is that while our job is to respond to newborns when they're, when they're making noises and vocalizing, some of our job as we grow as parents, including when our babies are newborns, is to pause and listen. And yes. if we sometimes take that couple of extra seconds when our baby's grunting and sounding, they sound like little pigs and making those noises, we're correctly hope, thinking we're going to have to jump up and feed them, right? Or change a diaper or something. And we're, we want to respond and there's this new little bundle of joy there and we want to do the right thing. But we forget that sometimes we need to just wait and see if that's actually what they need. And if we add more pauses when newborns are stirring around sleep and as they're getting older, we'll see that sometimes they're just stirring and weren't actually waking up. And they'll go into that next sleep cycle. And the more they get to practice that, the more they're going to lengthen their sleep cycles and kind of get used to going into the next sleep cycle on their own. And it'll set people up for longer stretches of sleep sooner in the baby's life in general. Mm, I mean, that could be the theme of modern mommy doc. (laughs) Just pause, (laughs) take a second, reflect. And that actually goes back to what Carla Nomberg was saying about this whole idea of if you're in a jungle and a tiger is running after you, you don't have the second to pause. So then your body goes into that fight or flight. And the pausing helps your baby to learn to self-regulate, but then also helps you to learn to not be approaching your baby from an anxious place or from as worried of a place because you've taken the second to not be in that hyper-aware state. And it really, and I see that as the ultimate form of bonding because it's really learning how to communicate and how to read each other. And it's so easy to miss that form of communication from your baby. And that's where this confusion of like, I'm trying this and I'm trying that. And it's just because that communication didn't get connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think also it gives you a second to say in your heart, I'm worried. Yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. I feel overwhelmed. Like that mindful self-compassion. Yeah of just where am I? It's okay that this is the feeling that I'm having at this second. I don't have to change it. And same with what's happening with my baby right now. I don't have to solve it right this second. It's okay. Unless they're, they're touching a hot stove and they're toddler. Absolutely. Generally speaking for a baby, there are very few actual emergencies. Exactly. Yep. Approaching parenting and approaching your baby with curiosity. Is really what it is, you know, and there, and then you really learn, like, does this noise or my baby does X, Y, and Z when they're about to wake up to feed. Awesome. Now you know it, right? Mm-hmm. But what gets missed with sleep is my baby does X, Y, and Z when they try to put themselves back to sleep. And of course, I don't mean leaving a newborn to cry or anything, but a lot of times they just make a lot of noise. They'll maybe even open their eyes for a few minutes and then they go back to sleep. And that's a big cue that we miss a lot of times in the early early stages and I wish every parent could just I want to show videos of what that looks like to every parent and yeah, yes and let them know that it's okay to just pause hi mama guess what our book the new baby blueprint is out in the world we're so excited because we know it's going to help change the new motherhood experience the bump said 
They say motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but the new baby blueprint comes pretty close. You can find it wherever books are sold or check it out at modernmommydoc.com forward slash book. And you even have a whole program for sleep for parents. I mean, where they can hire you before baby comes Mm -hmm. so that you're already set up kind of when they're leaving the hospital, even in the hospital Mm -hmm. to be home with them, which is something I do think listeners should, if you're pregnant right now, it's not too late. If Mm -hmm. you've already brought your baby home, do not fret. Mm -hmm. I did not do this, but I can see how that would allow them to continue on with that mindfulness from the very, very beginning Mm -hmm. to have it be less chaotic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when we do start from the very beginning that, well, anytime that we come in, we are modeling that pause and that mindfulness and that, that just slow intention of working with the baby and the respect for the baby and really just modeling it all. So the parents can see what is possible. And we, we, when we work with families from day one or really with starting within the first couple of weeks, we can usually, when working regularly overnight, we can usually get babies, if not sleeping through the night, sleeping probably nine to 12 hours by about four months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Investment. We're talking about investment. That's an investment. <laughs> That's definitely an investment. Yeah. And not every single baby will do that right yeah. i mean temperament plays into this so much yeah. it's not going to happen in the first couple of weeks so much of this is about i think especially for working moms mm-hmm. a lot of this anxiety comes from we're projecting three months ahead mm-hmm. we have to go back to work or our mm-hmm. partners have to go back to work in maybe two weeks yeah. so now what am i going to do so i think that's also where some of this very very understandable anxiety comes from is just thinking about what's coming yeah next. Yeah. How about the breastfeeding mm-hmm. part of it? Because mm-hmm. you all help with that absolutely as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So what things have you found also that doulas are able to help with in that regard or that you've seen can be really successful for moms when they're starting out? Mm-hmm. Encouragement, right? Like it's, that's a whole nother world for us and such a weight on our shoulders to feed a human being and be from most babies or many babies, the sole source of food for them. So doulas, most doulas come with at least a basic knowledge of supporting breast and chest feeding parents. And that is, you know, basic latch, basic tips and tricks, you know, how often a baby should feed, what we should be looking for, for thriving, what we should be contacting other resources for. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot, but a lot of times our job is also also to say, hey, before this gets to be too big of a challenge, let's get you connected with a board-certified lactation consultant. Mm-hmm. Or we're seeing something that maybe your pediatrician should be part of this conversation with. And really trying to get the parents to bring in the right people on their team. Us being there and in the home, we're often the first line of sight to where there might be challenges, whether it be with breastfeeding or postpartum depression, things like that. But we're also the first, often the first line of support. So 
that can be setting up the nursing stations, making sure that there's water there, that there are snacks. So mom's eating lots of good, healthy snacks. A lot of times we'll show up in the evening and we'll be like, what'd you eat today? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we haven't Not eaten much. much today. We're like, well, let's change that. And you can't right. make a lot of good, healthy milk if you're not eating and yeah. getting good nutrition. Yeah. And so we're just trying to take care of what sounds like really simple things, but that can be so impactful in that breastfeeding relationship. Yeah. And takes the place of this community approach that we used to have yeah. is like you said, like the mother-in-law that you always wish that you could have with you. Although I will say my mother-in-law was an angel in the postpartum period for me. She wasn't an expert. And I think that would have been the difference, Mm -hmm. but she did provide that support. And, you know, she was a person where I'd be walking around like with my chest fully out and peas and my nursing Mm -hmm. bra and all this. And she's didn't even blink an eye. My mom would come by and be like, what, put those away. What's happening here? (laughs) You know? And so I think like you're saying, there are certain people who are great in certain stages Mm -hmm. of your motherhood experience. Now my mom is amazing with my older kids and takes them to the zoo and provides all the learning activities and talks to them like adults and helps them be resilient, all those great things. But at that moment, my mother-in-law was actually the person who was most helpful to me. And if I hadn't had her, I would have felt so alone. She just provided that same community. But she wasn't up to date on how to help me exactly with the nursing and all that. And I will say to people, even as a pediatrician who had walked other people through breastfeeding, seen tons of breastfeeding, given advice in my clinic, I still called on our lactation person from our clinic to come to my home and help me with overactive letdown and latch issues and colic and reflux and all those things that my baby experienced. Because when you're in it, you can't see the forest for the trees Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you do need extra help. And your partner, you know, male, female, whatever, they also are in it with you. And a lot of times just can't see the forest for the trees. I think that, (laughs) I think that's where planning ahead to, even if you don't want a whole lot of support, just having a couple of postpartum shifts in your back pocket Mm -hmm. and planned ahead and set up for you, you just have them available. Because what often happens is families get in the weeds and they have no idea how deep they are. And they're so deep in the weeds that they also can't imagine how it could be different. Yes. And if you have someone that you can call on, even if you're like, I don't know how you can help. Will you just come do your four hours? I paid for it already. Right. It can be life-changing. And in four hours, we can shift so many different things that just make everything so much easier. And then that helps you get out of the weeds. Yeah. And I think that goes with sleep deprivation too. You don't know how sleep deprived you are until you get a couple of good nights of sleep. And then you realize, whoa, mm-hmm. that, was, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we just know, and this isn't to put pressure on people to make them feel bad if they're experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety at all. But we just know that we're neurobiologically connected with our kids and that the chaos in the room does affect them over time if it's chronic. Mm -hmm. And that affects the way that, like you said, that we approach our parenting from early on. And so the more interventions we can do in that moment Mm -hmm. to help it to feel calm 
and as controlled as possible, even though it's never fully controlled, Mm -hmm. the better to make it so that you don't feel like you're playing catch up your whole mother experience. Yeah. I, you know, I had no idea that I was going through postpartum anxiety and depression with my second and my husband was also had postpartum depression. I think we also don't talk about partners enough and they don't get screened. And when we look back at those years, early years, unfortunately, with my second son and just where life was, it's, there's a dark cloud in our memories. And it was because we were transplants. We didn't have support. We didn't have family right here. We didn't have doulas, you know, Mm -hmm. and in the middle of it, we had no clue. Right. We had no idea and we had no idea it could be different, but boy, do I wish we had just had something built in that would have eased some of the stress of being new parents during that time. And, you know, even if it's not postpartum doulas, even if we had family members or a community somewhere that was plugged in there. And I think that's, that's a thread for today's conversation is really like, if if doula isn't it for you, then Find your community members who can fill those roles in a right. lot of ways. Yeah. It, yeah. It's totally fine if it's on a doula, but then who is your village going to be? Yes, exactly. You do need a village. Sometimes you have to build your village. And yeah. Sometimes you have to pay for your village. And if you can, that's great. And if not, try to build your village in another way. Yeah, for sure. How about if people are living in a place that isn't a metropolitan area? Mm-hmm. Are there websites? Are there places to find remote help? Is there a way that people can find like a directory of doulas? Is there anything like that that's more of a national resource? There are, there's one resource that I feel is more established that is a directory and that's called doulamatch.com. And that is postpartum and birth doulas. And you can search your zip code. You can search the nearest area and see if there's anybody close. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other smaller directories that I don't feel have gotten good Mm -hmm. good traction traction yet. You can look at doula training websites and see, you know, who's been trained on their website. A lot of them will have, Mm -hmm. will have directories and, you know, I would say in the last five to 10 years, the doula profession has grown immensely. And so you can probably find someone somewhere near. I know I grew up in Nebraska and I know even in rural Nebraska, we have some doulas around and might be, you know, 25 miles away, but there's there. I think that there's a lot of online support. I don't know of any specific online forums just by doulas, Mm -hmm. but you know, in terms of postpartum depression, anxiety, postpartum international, and that's mm-hmm. local For in sure. Portland, but they're national. They have great, great options. And even just looking for resources like that, if you can't have doula, if you're looking for more specific resources, you can find those. Yeah. Ask your pediatrician too. Yes. They probably have local connections. Yeah. They'll have connections to lactation specialists specifically, but also doulas. Because as you're saying, I think as more and more women are not just in the workforce, but really are a major part of the workforce, mm-hmm. people are starting to look for more support in these ways and understanding your value. Yeah. So awesome. Tell listeners where 
they can find you because I would like to clone you and just make 80 billion <laughs> copies of you. <laughs> um, luckily, I, I have some close to clones of me working with me. So Portland, we have Birthingstone Doula and you know, birthingstonedoula.com. Birthingstone Doula is our handle for IG. We also, I provide sleep training and sleep coaching for older babies, both in Portland, same through Birthingstone doula, but also in Seattle and Santa Barbara. So seattlesleeptrainer.com and santabarbarasleeptrainer.com. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, hey. If you loved this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast so you're automatically notified every time we have powerful information, inspiration, and amazing guests to share with you. We would also be so honored if you shared the Modern Mommy Doc podcast with your friends by snapping a screenshot of this episode and posting it with hashtag Modern Mommy Doc so we can spread the word and help more mamas win at parenting without losing themselves. Thanks for being part of our community.